You're going to love this. Just love it. Yes, I am stuck in the middle with you, live from Los Angeles, the beautiful studios of KPFK Pacifica Radio, 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, 91.7 FM KYAQ on the beautiful Oregon coast, central coast that is. And, of course, kpfk.org for your coast-to-coast listening and uh, around-the-world listening pleasure. Also on the Stitcher app, on the TuneIn app, on the Progressive Voices channel, on TuneIn, on Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, and iTunes. You can run, but you can't hide. This is your Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly citizen, investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker and all-around swell fellow says me if perhaps not you you might have a different thought in which case we welcome you to call 818-985-5735 is our phone number um if you happen to be listening to uh kpfk and the tom hartman show just now where i was a guest you've got some idea of what I want to talk about today. And if you do want to call and take part in that discussion, particularly if you want to tell me why and how I'm wrong, as I say, get in line. 818-985-KPFK. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. I will talk about that issue and why I'm inviting your calls uh, shortly. Also, Desi Doyen and the Green News Report, as always, will be joining us a little bit later with the latest on the, oh man, on the uh, Republican and Democratic uh, lobbyist uh, Keystone XL boondoggle (laughs) and uh, how a minority decision, how it was the minority who ruled at the Nebraska Supreme Court this week deciding that the Keystone XL pipeline could move forward. Also, how Denmark is well on their way to getting off of fossil-fueled power entirely by 2015. Also, if there's time, uh, who do you think is number one in the country for carbon emissions? I don't know if uh, emissions shaming is a thing yet, but if not, it should be. And uh, if we have time, I will do my part to uh, shame the appropriate state in a little bit. Uh, but first, before I get to the uh, to the main point uh, that I want to talk about uh, this afternoon, a couple of stories related to it I want to bring out because I think they're important. Oh, and you can also, by the way, tweet me throughout the hour. I am the Brad Blog. If you want to uh, want to get me on Twitter, there. All right. Um, There has not been enough attention to a couple of points in the story of what happened last week at Charlie Hebdo. It happened just before we went on the air. 
Uh, I, I shared a few thoughts about it at the time, but I kind of want to let it, let things settle in, wanted to get all the facts, wanted to see where we were. Um, and uh, I, I ended up writing about it a bit at Brad Blog, but we'll talk about it today. There's a few points that I just want to bring out right away that I think aren't getting enough attention. This is from AP. Uh, in the days after the bloody end of twin French hostage crises last Friday following the Charlie Hebdo attacks, Stories of life-saving courage are beginning to filter out. One of the most striking is the story of Lasana Batili. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. A young Muslim immigrant from Mali who literally provided police with the key to ending the hostage crisis at the kosher supermarket in Paris. Batili was in the store's underground stockroom when gunman Amadi Koulibaly burst in upstairs, According to accounts given French media and to a friend of Batili's who spoke to the Associated Press, Batili turned off the stockroom's freezer and hit a group of frightened shoppers inside it before sneaking out through a fire escape to speak to police. Initially confused for the attacker, he was forced to the ground and handcuffed by police. Once they realized their mistake, he provided them with literally the key they needed to open the supermarket's metal blinds and mount their assault against the attacker. The guy was so courageous, says Mohammed Amin, a 33-year-old friend and former co-worker of Batili's who spoke to him about the assault last weekend. Washington Post's account of the story explains... That after the man slipped out, this quick-thinking Muslim worker at the kosher store, after he slipped out, he spent the next 90 minutes in cuffs before he managed to convince authorities that he was who he said he was, and he told the cops he wasn't alone, that there were more than a dozen, dozen other hostages locked in the, uh, in the store's freezer where he helped them survive. Apparently, Bathili's quick thinking and acts of courage at the kosher supermarket where he worked saved the lives of at least seven Jews at the store, according to Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who cited him over the weekend. One who didn't make it, who was killed when Kulabali entered the market, was 22-year-old Johan Cohen, who Bathili's friend Amin described to AP as an amazing person. Amin said, I'm Muslim and he's a Jew. Amin is an immigrant from Morocco. He said, but there's such respect between us. We're like brothers. They took my best friend. That seems worth noting. The quick-thinking Muslim worker at the kosher store who saved Jewish lives during that Paris attack. Also, um, another Muslim who was killed during the attack was a police officer named Ahmed Marabat. Marabet. Um, Ahmed uh, Marabet's brother, Malek, uh, Ahmed was one of the uh, two police officers who were killed in that attack right after the uh, Charlie Hebdo massacre outside on the street. Ahmed's brother, Malek, eulogized his brother, Ahmed, a day or two ago. He said he was, quote, devastated by this barbaric act. We associate ourselves with the pain of the family of the victims. I address myself now to all the racists. Islamophobes and anti-Semites, he said. One must not confuse extremists with Muslims. Madness has neither color nor religion. I want to make another point. Stop painting everybody with the same brush. Stop burning mosques or synagogues. You are attacking people. It won't bring back our dead and it won't appease our families. Malik Marabat said about his brother, 
separately after that press conference, he said, My brother was Muslim and he was killed by people who pretend to be Muslims. They are terrorists. That's it. As for my brother's death, it was a waste. I wanted to point out those two stories before I get into the uh, main story, which is related here. Um, Because I think those are worth noting. All right. Uh, In September of 2005, the Danish newspaper Gilans Posten, pardon my Danish, published 12 editorial cartoons depicting the Prophet Muhammad in various ways, some of them tying him to bombings and terrorism. Muslim groups at the time protested those depictions as any illustration, any illustration of Muhammad is regarded as blasphemous and offensive by most members of the religion. Not just the extremists, but most members of the religion. The issue received a lot of media attention at the time. Uh, There were uh, protests in a number of Muslim countries in early 2006 across the world. Some escalated into violence, resulting in more than 200 people reported dead at the time. The cartoons were then reprinted from the Danish newspaper, reprinted in a number of other newspapers around the world, both to illustrate the news story itself and by way of a sense of journalistic solidarity with that Danish newspaper and the idea of free speech in general. France's satirical weekly magazine, Charlie Hebdo, was one of those who republished the cartoons at the time in an act of solidarity with the paper. They continued to publish satirical depictions of Muhammad and Muslims for years thereafter at Charlie Hebdo, including an edition of the magazine said to have been guest edited by Muhammad. Other cartoons that Charlie Hebdo ran uh, showed the prophet and Muslims in general in compromising sexual positions, for example, All of these are protected under the right to free speech in this country, in France. It's a right which does not, of course, apply everywhere else. But here in the U.S. and in France, it is protected as well it should be. In response, at the time, Charlie Hebdo received threats, was firebombed in 2011, but they continued to publish these cartoons seen as offensive to millions across the world year after year up until now and even since, even after last week's barbaric, gruesome and unjustified massacre at their offices. When 10 editors, journalists, cartoonists and other staffers, as well as two French policemen were killed by extremist adherents of the Islamic faith. So those people uh, who who carried that attack out and those who support them, of course, should be held to justice. There is no excuse ever for threats of violence of any type, any type of free speech, much less satirical cartoons. Now, in the face of those threats seven years ago at Charlie Hebdo and the firebombing four years ago, they kept publishing similar material for years. Now, uh, you know, I I don't read French, so I'm at a bit of a disadvantage here. Haven't followed the magazine over all the years. But my understanding is that while Charlie Hebdo went after all religions and cultures, they seem to have a very special obsession, if you will, with depicting Muhammad and attacking the Muslim faith with their satire. They proved they could do it. We have long fought for freedom of speech, obviously here in this country, at Brad Blog, here on the Bradcast, certainly for decades on KPFK and Pacifica Radio. Over the past week, 
since that appalling tragedy at Charlie Hebdo and in the two hostage incidents that took place a couple of days after, there have been many suddenly joining this fight for free speech, many of whom haven't spoken up much for it in the past. Glenn Greenwald wrote about them uh, recently that this week's defense of free speech rights was so spirited that it gave rise to a brand new principle. To defend free speech, one not only defends the right to disseminate the speech, but embraces the content of the offensive speech itself. Numerous writers this, uh, this w- thus demanded to show solidarity with the murdered cartoonists. One should not merely condemn the attacks and defend the right of the cartoons to publish, but should publish and even celebrate those cartoons. The best response to the Charlie Hebdo attack, announced Slate's editor Jacob Weisberg, is to escalate blasphemous satire. And indeed, uh, that's what Joe Walsh, this former idiot congressman, no, currently idiot, former congressman from Illinois, Republican Joe Walsh tweeted just moments before the show here, uh, before we left for the studio, He said, let's hope that when the Islamists next strike, this is a tweet of Joe Walsh, congressman, former congressman from Illinois. Let's hope that when the Islamists next strike, they first behead the appeasing cowards at CNN, MSNBC, et al. who refused to show the cartoons. So you can't be in solidarity with these uh, with these cartoonists and with free speech unless you also offend people is what he's trying to say, and many others this week. Glenn Greenwald uh, continued uh, last week saying, some of the cartoons published by Charlie Hebdo were not just offensive but bigoted, such as the one mocking the African-American, not the, uh, is mocking the African sex slaves of Boko Haram as welfare queens. Others went far beyond maligning violence by extremists acting in the name of Islam or even merely depicting Mohammed with degrading imagery and instead contained a stream of mockery towards Muslims in general, who in France are not remotely powerful, but are largely a marginalized and targeted immigrant population. So my question, yes, you have the right to do it. Why would anybody want to do it? In France, uh, the Muslims are not some, uh, you know, powerful majority. They are a minority. They are an oppressed minority at that. Uh, Why would you want to go after them? I'm not talking about going after the idiot extremists. Go after them all you want. Go after the terrorists. Go after, as I said on the Hartman show a little bit earlier, go after religion in general. Religion is very powerful in this world. But to purposely offend a whole group of people, millions of people who have done nothing wrong, who have uh, who who don't to me uh, seem to deserve to be offended. What am I missing here? And would Charlie Hebdo have received the same outpouring of support had they published offensive cartoons about, say, uh, blacks and Jews, not just caricaturing their beliefs, but caricaturing them as people? In fact, they did do a bit of that. Has anybody been calling for the publication of those cartoons? Would anybody do it in this country? Glenn Greenwald actually printed a bunch of really offensive uh, cartoons that uh, caricatured uh, Jewish people with big noses and uh, controlling uh, Barack Obama and all kinds of things. Where's Joe Walsh calling for the publication of those cartoons? Apparently, 
Uh, if you don't publish what Joe Walsh wants you to publish, <laughs> if you don't display your freedom of the press to publish those cartoons, you are not free. You should be beheaded, according to former Illinois Congressman Joe Walsh. I don't know. What am I missing here? Yes, you can publish anything you want. You should be able to publish anything you want. Attacks and violence are uh, never, never okay. Um, but, you know, why would you want to? Why would, you know, in this country, we, we don't publish these caricatures of uh, African-Americans with uh, big lips and calling them lazy. We don't do this to Jews, calling them greedy. Or at least when we do, those papers and those places that do that are condemned. Those people are condemned. In fact, people are often fired for it. In fact, at Charlie Hebdo, where they are said to be such champions of free speech, in 2008, they fired one of their staffers for uh, some anti-Semitic, I don't know if it was anti-Semitic comments or something that he published that was anti-Semitic, but he was fired. Glenn Greenwald wrote a bit about that as well. He said, when we originally discussed publishing this article to make these points, our intention was to commission two or three cartoonists to create cartoons that mock Judaism and malign sacred figures to Jews the way Charlie Hebdo did to Muslims. But that idea was thwarted by the fact that no mainstream media, uh, no mainstream Western cartoonist would dare put their name on an anti-Jewish cartoon, even if done for satire purposes, because doing so would instantly and permanently destroy their career. At least. Anti-Islam and anti-Muslim commentary and cartoons are a dime a dozen in Western media outlets, however. The taboo that is at least as strong, if not more so, are anti-Jewish images and words. Why aren't free speech crusaders calling for publication of anti-Semitic material in solidarity or as a means of standing up to this repression? Now, I don't mean to... Uh, uh, you know, equate violence waged against those who publish offensive material with those who lose their jobs or careers for doing the same. Uh, but there is this uh, bizarre double standard, and I don't understand it. Well, maybe I do. Maybe it's okay to attack Muslims. Maybe we think, oh, that's stupid. We're not allowed to to publish depictions of Muhammad. I disagree with that. I think it's stupid. Uh, well, there's a lot of things that we think uh, are stupid, but that various groups, various minority groups who are not powerful feel are offensive. So we don't do them. We can, but we don't. We should have the right to. But we should also have the right to call out those people for being stupid when they do it. So uh, am I clear that, uh, you know, I, I think uh, anyone who harms or th even threatens to harm anybody for exercising their right to free speech should be condemned. It's appalling. There is no question about the absolute right of journalists to do what they did in uh, the Charlie Hebdo case. No, it doesn't matter who they may have offended. And uh, there are courageous responses from various journalists and cartoonists. You know, it's been interesting. There were a lot of cartoonists that very day who published uh, cartoons in response to the killing. Very few of them actually published depictions of Muhammad. A lot of them published uh, depictions of terrorists, extremists. Yeah, go after them. Go get them. Sounds good to me. But why offend an entire people? I support their right to do so. I simply don't understand it. 
and I'm troubled by what appears to be a double standard when it comes to publishing images that are offensive to most other ethnic and religious groups. Maybe you can help me out. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. Uh, let's go to uh, let's go to some calls here. Mark in Sherman Oaks. Hey, Mark, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad. Thanks for telling me. I want to say first because I'm going to be so bad with you that I really love your show. I mean, you are really great. But, but... you're missing the point so much. Okay. You don't know what's going on. Over hebdomadaire, I would like to say for people, hebdo is the short for hebdomadaire, which means weekly in French, which means out of the last 52, 52 issues, only one was about the Muslims, okay? Twelve were against the extreme right in France. Six, six I think, were against the Jew. About 10 against the, uh, the Christian. And it's a French tradition. Plus, plus, you do not know what it's like to live in France over the last 10 years with a rise of extremist Islam. And you know what? Yes, it's only 1% of the population, but 99% of the Muslims say and do nothing. Oh, hang on a second, Mark. Let me respond to a, a point there. Uh, it may be a French tradition, and, you know, the best explanation I heard uh, about Charlie Hebdo was that it was uh, akin to Stephen Colbert in this country, that they were actually mocking those who would mock uh, uh, Muhammad, who would mock uh, Muslims in general. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's a tradition in this country uh, for white people to put on blackface and uh, dance, sing and dance. We don't do it. We don't do it anymore, Mark. At least when we do, so we shame those people who do racism? it. Does Sorry? It reduce racism, then we don't do it? Do you think people are less racist in this country because they don't do it? Do you think people are less racist because they cannot say the N-word anymore? You Americans are so wrong with that politically correct, you're going to die from it. You're going to die. This country is disappearing <laughs> from that political <laughs> correctness. Okay. Okay. Because now we don't know who is really a racist. All okay. the time you have a microphone that's still on, and we hear people saying the N-word. Oh, my God, he said the N-word. Really? You did not know he was going to say it? So, yeah, so, so, it was, it was, so it was better when we had folks uh, singing and dancing in blackface because we knew that they were the racists. Look, I this is not about getting rid of— this is, Mark, this is not about getting rid of racism. This is about being a decent human being. That's all I'm suggesting. Although, I, and I got a lot of people uh, behind you here that I want to get to. So I really do appreciate your call and your okay, perspective on this. Give me one place. Islam is not a religion. Islam is a political system. Give me one place where Islam is running country and it's a democratic country, and I will get my response from the air. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. I, and I'm not sure if I understood the question. Um, I'm not even talking about uh, Islam uh, or Muslim people in a positive or negative way. You may have your opinions about them. You may have your opinion about radical Islam. You may have your opinion about extremists who call themselves Muslim. That's fine. That's okay. But, you know, when you've got uh, something like 1.7 billion people who generally take offense to depictions of the Prophet Muhammad, you can do it. I just don't understand why you would want to, and I don't understand how that makes anything better. But maybe others can tell me. And, Mark, I really do appreciate your call and your perspective, and uh, anyone who wants to call in and tell me I'm wrong is more than welcome to. Bill from Lake Elsinore, welcome, sir, to the broadcast. What's up, Bill? Thank you, Brad, very much. Um, this morning on the Hartman Show, your question was, what does this accomplish, you know, picking on, on somebody who's down? 
And um, I was full of rage up until the time I heard you ask, just what does this accomplish? Well, what it accomplishes is this. This is the result. So, yeah. Yeah, so it uh, ultimately, uh, has it accomplished anything positive? Is there anything positive we can take from this, Bill? No, no, no. Murder and mayhem and, and, and cowardly acts of, you know, barb, uh, just brutality. And then then you have folks like Mark. By the way, Mark, Indonesia, Turkey, Morocco, I could name hundreds of countries. But, um, yeah, that's what it accomplishes, Brad. Yeah. Thank you very much. And you, it had a great calming effect on me. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate it. Uh, apparently, I didn't have a calming effect on Joe Walsh, the congressman who wants to behead, quote, appeasing cowards at CNN and MSNBC. <sighs> that's one of the things that the attack uh, last week seems to have accomplished. It's made people in this country want to go on the attack themselves. At least idiots in this country. Mary from L.A. Hey, Mary, welcome to the broadcast. Oh, hi. I, I read an op-ed this morning about with Pat Morrison with uh, Abu El Bad, who said that in France there's a particularly exaggerated racial and ethnic problem even more than the rest of Europe. A general sense that the French look at Arabs and Muslims immigrants as inferior people, and that plays into the radicalizing role and it plays into the recruitment of groups like Al-Qaeda. Well, it and, certainly you know. uh, it came across, frankly, in Mark's comment, who uh, sounded French to me. I don't mean a stereotype, but he sounded French to me. Uh, and he didn't have much uh, much good to say about uh, Muslims. So, obviously, he does not represent all of France. He's a, a good guy with his opinions. But, uh, yeah, there's some big, big racial problems uh, in France. No question about it. And, by the way, you know, you need someone like a Charlie Hebdo to point those things out. But I think you can do that. I think you can be satirical, uh, you know, in, in a way that doesn't serve to offend a whole bunch of uh, people who did nothing wrong, the very personal religious beliefs of an entire people. At least that's what it seems to me. Thanks, Mary. I appreciate your call. Uh, 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. Uh, you know, I, I know that uh, there's been a lot of people talking about this, a lot of pundits, a lot of experts, uh, all the uh, people who are calling us, calling on this country to attack uh, Muslim countries, to attack Iraq after 9-11 because of what the extremists said. They've, uh, they've all been on TV. They've all come out. All the people from the Bush administration, they're all back. They're given places to talk. Uh, this is your place to talk. 818-985-5735 if you'd like to uh, share your thoughts on what's happened over the past week and how I'm completely wrong in my take on it. Morris from Los Angeles. Hey, Morris, welcome to the broadcast. Greetings from the hood. Uh, you know that march that took place uh, last week in uh, France included uh, a gentleman by the name of Netanyahu, who is the prime minister of uh, the Israelis. And our folks don't know this, but his government has snuffed out seven journalists. I'm reading a book now by a gentleman by the name of Mark Blumenthal. It's called Goliath, page 53. There's a thing called Nakba, N-A-K-B-A. If you discuss Nakba in, uh, in Israel, uh, you can go to jail or be put to death. They don't even want a record of that even being discussed. Uh, that march that took place in France was arbitrary and very subjective. There is a lot of racism in France against Muslim people. I understand that 70% of their jail population are Muslim people. 
And uh, regarding that 9-11 thing, uh, with these pundits trying to get folks to attack Muslims, well, check this out. Fifteen of the 19 participants were from Saudi Arabia. Maybe we ought to take a look at that over there. And, Brad, I just want to leave you with this real quick. Like, uh, it's, uh, you really got me pumped up on uh, on voting. So I wrote me about, oh, maybe 200 rhymes on voting. And I just want to give you two of them if you'll just give me a chance there. Go very I'm quickly. Voting. Go ahead. Okay, I'm voting. And I don't like war. More talk, more peace. Maybe send the Peace Corps. I'm voting. I'm voting for change. We have a government that says corporations are men. I'm voting. You know it's a fact. Politicians are taking money. Some are smoking the crack. I'm voting. Like a bowl of cherries. We got to get together. We got to get together. People got to cut the military. Said I'm voting. And thank you very much, Red. Well done, Morris. I appreciate that. Uh, Because of the things he talked about, we're just going to have to completely edit that out of the show. So go ahead and make a note there. Um, just kidding, Morris. Carol, let's go uh, to the Inland Empire. Let's talk to oh, our phone number, 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. Hey, Carol, welcome to the broadcast. Hi. Hi. Uh, I wanted to say I, I totally agree with you on the double standard and what um, you quoted Glenn Greenwald as saying. It's just amazing how it's okay to lampoon uh, Muslims, you know, right and left, but it's not okay to to talk about uh, these fascist Christians or the, uh, you know, to lampoon them at the same, uh, to the same degree, at the same level, you know, them or the uh, the people, the Jewish people or whoever. So I think, uh, you know, my opinion is, though, that all these religions, um, they all deserve to be lampooned and need to be regularly in order to um, this uh, this kind of, um, what's the word I'm groping for, to kind of um, help people wake up to the fact that they need to stop being so, uh, so re- religiously tyrannical and trying to, to force the rest of us into their way of thinking about everything. I mean, they would have everything be a blasphemy if it were up to them. So I, I totally support any kind of lampooning of religion. <laughs> well, I, no, that's and and that's fine. You know, like I say, I think religion itself, uh, which tends to be very powerful. You, you said, you know, religious tyranny. Let's go after the tyranny. Uh, the religion is sort of a personal decision. I'm not a religious guy. I, I think, frankly, all religions are kind of stupid. That's just me. I think that they all have, you know, absolutely ridiculous uh, tales behind them. Uh, You know, I'm not interested in them, but I I realize that people uh, wish to exercise their personal belief, their personal faith. But when it becomes tyrannical, when uh, religion itself becomes tyrannical, go after the religion, not necessarily the people who follow it, but the people who misuse it. Anyway, yes. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing. It's, yeah. it's always fundamentalists, and they're all the same, whether they're whether they're Israeli or they're Christian or they're Muslim. They're all exactly the same. They they're a bunch of fascists that want the rest of us to uh, march in lockstep to what they think is right and what they think is wrong, and they're going to kill us if we know if we don't agree. 
Thanks, Carol. I appreciate, uh, I really appreciate your call. Uh, 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break here, and we will come back with much more of your calls. A lot of folks on the line, 818-985-KPFK. Uh, really appreciate the, uh, the calls and the good thoughts. We're going to take a very, very quick break and come back to much more, uh, including Desi Doyen and the Green News Report, to cheer us up, as always, in a little bit. You're listening to the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. Imagine there's no country It isn't hard to do Nothing to kill or die for No religion to Imagine all the people Living life for peace say that I'm a dreamer But I am not the only one I hope someday you'll join us And the world will live as one Welcome back. Thanks for joining us here on The Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Of Bradblog.com, taking your calls on what happened at the Charlie Hebdo offices uh, over the past week. And my belief, my question as to uh, why, why it's necessary. Not the attacks themselves, those are obviously unnecessary and inappropriate. Um, but why we would lampoon an entire people, an entire religious belief uh, that is offensive to uh, millions of people around the world. We can do it. We should be able to do it. We have the right to do it. Why would we want to do it? 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Oh, and Desi Doyen will be coming up with a Green News report in a little bit. And before I go to back to the calls here, uh, just uh, one point, um, since Mitt Romney appears to be getting back into the presidential race or is pretending to, uh, an anonymous uh, longtime advisor of his according to the Boston Globe, uh, says, quote, there wouldn't be an ISIS at all, and Putin would know his place in life had Mitt Romney won back in 2012. Damn! We should have had Mitt Romney. There would have been no ISIS at all. We wouldn't have had to worry about it. Uh, let's go to uh, Kurt in L.A. Hey, Kurt, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. And uh, I'm not I'm not sure how much I can add because you are so on the ball. You pretty much took the words right out of my mouth as I was on hold. But uh, I, I wanted to uh, coin the phrase, well, not coin the phrase, but bring up the uh -oh. can do something doesn't mean you should do something. And, uh, for example, on New Year's Day, um, I was driving home, going to enjoy the New Year's, but I came across three Pomeranian poodles running across six lanes of traffic. 
Now, I had every right to keep driving. I, I could actually ran over one if I wanted to. But, no, I stopped my car and used my athleticism to round up three poodles across six busy highways because I wanted to be civil. I thought about the poor owner of these dogs that were she woke up she would have woken up in the morning saw all of her dogs just crushed in the middle of the street how would they would feel oh kurt yeah kurt you and your yo you and you're doing the right thing we can't have any of that uh we've got members of cnn and msnbc apparently we need to behead because they didn't show uh, offensive cartoons it's i hear you kurt i really appreciate the call and i appreciate you saving those poodles uh thanks kurt thanks for calling in let me go to uh 818-985-5735 is our phone number uh, who should we go to? Oh, uh, Mohammed in L.A. Uh, hey, Mohammed, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad, how are you? I'm okay. Where have I got all of this wrong? Uh, <laughs> I don't know where to begin. You actually say such an astonishing word so many times, and I completely agree with you. I just wanted to make a few comments toward Mr. Mark. Yeah, he's, he's the guy who called with the French accent in the last hour, uh, who who tends to agree with me, but didn't this time uh, because it, it seems he's quite worried about the uh, Muslims around the world and specifically in France. So go ahead, Mohammed. And I understand. And all I wanted to say, Mr. Mark, that I am really sorry that being as a Muslim, I'm really sorry that we hurt him. And I do apologize on behalf of all the people who unintentionally or intentionally hurt him. We are not like that. And Islam does not allow all the bad things these extremists are doing. And they are not Muslim. So once again, please accept my deep condolences. And I do apologize for all the bad things happened to you or in France because of Muslims. That's all I want to add. Thanks, Mohammed. I, I appreciate that call. I'm uh, I'm sorry that you feel you have to apologize on behalf of an entire uh, religion. Frankly, we don't see that sort of thing. You know, um, we a lot of people in this country like to pretend that the extremists are of one religion. You know, just ask Dr. Tiller uh, in Kansas, who was uh, murdered by a uh, Christian extremist. Um, because he performed the service of abortion for so many years. Ask all of those people who go to abortion clinics every day and face fear and threats, death threats. Uh, So many of them have been killed. Ask all the abortion providers in Kansas. Oh, you can't, because there are none anymore. Because extremists have run them out. Extremists have either killed them or scared the hell out of them so they can't even do their job. And yet... Where is, uh, you know, all of these uh, right-wingers asking for apologies from Christian leaders and from every goddamn Christian in the world for what one extremist did in Kansas? Uh, I uh, just—it's hypocrisy, but uh, Mohammed, uh, thank you for the call. I really appreciate it. All right, let's go to uh, John in uh, in L.A. Hey, John, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, just, I, I just want everybody to know, France is a very hypocritic country. When the riots started in Paris, they were burning cars, the Muslims. They, they turned around, and what did they do? They supported the extremist Islam in Syria. They supported them with weapons. They supported them with training. They sent them there to kill. And then when they came back, 
history repeated itself, just like 9-11. We supported them, and they came back and blew up our buildings. They supported the extremists in Syria, and they came back and, and killed them. That, that's what it is. Well, it's, it's, John, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's about the extremists. It's not about the re- religion. And if Charlie Hebdo had been going after the extremists, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even have this conversation at all today. But it's not the extremists they go after. It's an entire people. They, they supported the extremist Islam. And they supported the killings, the beheading of the priests in Syria. They were all happy about it. They were supporting the Syrian rebels. Who did? France? France did, you're talking about? Yes, France supported the beheading of people? They supported the rebels that beheaded them, Well, uh, uh, committed the beheading. They were the the ones that were sending weapons there. All right. Uh, Okay, if I give you weapons to kill people and you kill a priest, mm -hmm. uh, what what that that, that means, I I did it. Okay. I appreciate your call, John. Uh, Let me go to... Uh, Linda in Hollywood. Where are my? Where am I here? There we go. Linda in Hollywood. Welcome to uh, the broadcast, Linda. Hi. Actually, I felt that you didn't really listen to what Mark said. I personally, I've never seen a copy of Charlie Hebdo, but I've heard a lot of French people talk about it. Mm-hmm. And apparently, it's an atheist magazine, and all religions, all religions feel the bite of their satire. And Mark, in fact, said how many issues they had. Uh, lampooning um, Christians, Catholics, the Pope, uh, Jews, the you know the whole world. So I agree with Carol that we have we can't be cowed by by the religious fascism of, of fundamentalists anywhere. I, I agree with that as well. I don't want to be cowed by anybody anywhere, no matter what. But there's, again, a difference between going after uh, uh, a religion uh, and the power that that holds and uh, merely offending its people because you can, to prove that you can. And I don't even know if that's what Charlie Hebdo was doing. Um, But that's uh, uh, much of the sense I've gotten over the past week at looking at their stuff, looking at their cartoons over the years. Uh, You know, go after... Uh, bad actors, but to simply offend because it's offensive. Look, it's offensive to depict to depict the Prophet Muhammad. That's an offense to the religion. What purpose does it serve? But it's offensive to to make a death threat. Okay, you know, so two wrongs. So two. So two wrongs make a right, Linda. I mean, I mean, a little bit. It was like the guy saying, "I didn't, I didn't run over over the poodle, so um, so therefore Charlie Abdo shouldn't." publish the cartoon. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. I, I appreciate your call, Linda. I really do. Uh, let me go to, uh, where was that? Uh, lived in, oh, it was uh, Sandra. Uh, hey, Sandra, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you. Because I have something similar to say to both Mark and the last speaker. Mm-hmm. Because I've been going to France for about 30 years, and I stay there three, four months uh, every year. So I know it very well. And I will tell you that there's a lot of satire in um, in France, many newspapers and magazines, and this is just one of them. And I will also tell you that the Muslims do their own satire and and are not innocent. Uh, um, they're not really an innocent minority. They may not have a lot of political power, but you know the woman that ran against. Um, well, Orlan's ex-wife, uh, she or ex-partner, I guess, she ran for president. She was a Muslim. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
it's not as if they are this little innocent minority that has no power. It They stand around the big mosque. You know, they have a gorgeous mosque in Paris. The first built in Europe and the largest. And they stand, not so much right now, but for years they would stand with um, uh, pamphlets against Israel, against the United States, against Europe, against France, against Frenchmen, with cartoons, with brochures, with everything. So it's not as if they're just this little unpowerful... But no, Sandra, go after their political ideas. If you disagree with them, if you disagree, hang on, if you disagree with their political stance, go against their political stance. What does that political stance have no, to do with something that's mixing, offensive to the religion? You're, you're, you're mixing it up. Okay. They're, the political stance is just one part of it. But the, the, this magazine doesn't go only against political stances. Against, it goes against all religions. And whether you like it or not, it does it against all religions, not just Islam. So okay. I think there are so many people in this country that really have no idea what's going on in the rest of the world. The, Mark was uh, kind of correct. I know he was emotional because I think it was his country. But, I mean, I have been accosted and everything else. So it's not as if this big, powerful magazine, actually it's a small magazine, right. doesn't have a, a, lot of, uh, uh, a lot of advocates. You know? Right. But, so it, it, wasn't, it wasn't doing anything so bad okay. that it doesn't do to everybody else. Okay. I, so it's, do you understand what I'm I, I do. I do, Sandra. And I, and I know, and, and you're doing uh, very well, and I appreciate the thought. Uh, I'm going to move on only because I've got an entire board lit, uh, lit up with calls here. So I, okay. I do appreciate uh, your thought and your input there. Let me see if I can get in just a, a, a couple of more uh, quick calls here before we got to get to the green news. Hey, Thomas in Inglewood, welcome to the broadcast, Thomas. Thank you for having me on, Brad. I sure. appreciate it. Sure. What's I up? just first want, I just first want to say send my condolences to the people of of, of Paris. Um, you know, uh, it's definitely never acceptable when you ha- when you have mass murderers killing people. But I did want to say that Bill Maher made a, a statement that I thought was very wrong. He said that millions of if of Muslims support this type of behavior, when in fact Pew Research Global just did a new study last year, and they said out of the fourteen thousand people in predominantly Muslim countries that they surveyed, the overall understanding was that most people surveyed had an unfavorable impression of Hamas uh, uh, and Hezbollah, and and most people were unfavorable to uh, uh, terrorist attacks. And so for, I think that what's happening is that we have this religious agenda where we we want to persecute the religion because we have our own religious, you know, um, beliefs, or we have our own, you know, feelings towards religion when and then we make this a minority issue we make it this mainstream issue and and to prove my point i I would say liken it to the michael brown case when fox news spun the michael brown case and turned it into a black on black crime uh case and said that that was what was causing you know more problems in the black community when in fact 
homicide is 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 ranked at four percent when heart disease is ranked at twenty four percent. Indeed. And so and and so my point is, it's like we make these minority issues, these mainstream issues, when we have ulterior motives and ulterior agendas, and I think that that's a detriment to society. Thanks, Thomas. I appreciate that thought. Uh, let me uh, see if I can get one last call in, one or two here, uh, maybe. Uh, let me go to very quickly, Phil, if you don't mind, Phil in L.A. I've got just a second or two. Your thoughts, very quick. That, um, you know, we had a similar issue here with uh, the artwork that had Christ depicted in urine. And uh, I just didn't see, I didn't see the same, yes, there were Catholics protesting, and Muslims would have a right to protest these uh, satirical cartoons as well. Uh, That being said, if they did the same thing in this I can't imagine a single museum doing the same thing with the Prophet Muhammad behind uh, a, a jar of urine. Yeah, well, and I can't imagine the same people uh, who are now calling for, uh, you know, CNN and MSNBC to be beheaded. And I'm talking about former Congressman Joe Walsh from yeah. Illinois, the Republican. Republican, I can't imagine him uh, calling those people uh, cowards, calling those media outlets cowards if they didn't run uh, that piece of art you're talking about with uh, Jesus Christ in a jar of urine. They were, you know, the, a lot of the very same people who were so offended by that were trying to yeah. defund them uh, are, you know, now saying if we don't offend the entire uh, Muslim religion, then somehow we are giving into terrorism. It's absolutely ridiculous, Phil. I got to. I got. Nobody spoke out, but my point is, there weren't near. near, You didn't see nearly the level of outrage for that, and 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 I I agree with that artist's right to do that. I'm not in any way taking away his right to depict that. All I'm saying is, I don't see. I can't imagine the same. Courage on behalf of museums doing the same thing. You're absolutely right, Phil. Absolutely right. I agree with you 100%. I do got to move on because we've got to do some green news. How things going, Desi Doyen? Lively in the phone room? Yes, quite, quite. <laughs> you you got through a lot of folks calling, and I know there's a lot of people still online. Uh, I had hoped to get to everyone. I'm afraid we'll have to pick up this conversation another day. Thanks to everyone who called in. Uh, shall we get to our... Oh, before we do, very quickly, uh, uh, Texas, where is it? I want to mess with Texas here before we get to the Green News Report. Texas is the number one emitter in the country. They lead with 441.2 million metric tons of carbon emissions, greenhouse gas emissions. Even though California is far more populous than California, we've uh, Texas, I'm sorry, California is more populous than than Texas. Texas. Yes. We only have 116 million metric tons. Uh, Texas is uh, filthy, dirty. You're from Texas. Yes, I am. I, I'm blaming you, and I think you need to apologize on behalf of the state. I don't think it would help to apologize on the behalf of the state. I think that someone should go in there and give them a total brain transplant. <laughs> Good luck That's with that. That's think that'll help. Let's get to our latest Green News report. Who does this new Republican Congress work for? Foreign oil companies? 
or the American people. Keystone XL Pipeline clears Nebraska court hurdle, now moves on to the U.S. Senate. A new study published in the journal Nature argues that most of the remaining fossil fuel reserves on our planet will need to be left in the ground if we want to have any chance at preventing catastrophic climate change. Researchers warn Canada's tar sands and Arctic oil must remain in the ground. We're hoping that this will be a temporary short-term drop. Fracking country braces for oil bust. Plus, we're well underway to our final goal, which is to become fossil-free by 2050. Denmark breaks the world record for wind energy generation. All of that wind generation and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Lawmakers have hinted they may revisit some of the requirements because businesses have said the regulations are too expensive and over-regulating. That's odd. Normally businesses find regulations too cheap and not restrictive enough. Get to work, lawmakers. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I know you got a lot to get to today, but before you do, I wanted to welcome aboard Green News Report's newest affiliate partner, the Nowman Radio Show with Dan Nicewander on KillRadio.org. Hey, Dan, welcome aboard. Yeah, welcome, Dan. Glad to have you. Okay, now what do you, Desi, have for us today? Well, first, due to a quirk in state law, a new ruling by the Nebraska State Supreme Court has effectively upheld a new route for the controversial Keystone X pipeline from Canada. This is a weird quirk. In Nebraska, at the Supreme Court, apparently, minority rules. Four out of the seven Supreme Court justices found the approval process for the Keystone to be unconstitutional, but due to that quirk you're talking about, it requires five. So even though a majority found it unconstitutional, the pipeline approval process is approved. The decision clears the way for the federal regulatory process to resume and for President Obama to make a final decision. But Republicans in the Senate aren't waiting for that. Introducing new legislation in their new Republican-controlled Senate to bypass the regulatory process and force construction of the controversial pipeline. U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders, independent of Vermont, excoriated the legislation. We have got to cut carbon emissions rather than give a green light for the exploration and the production of some of the dirtiest oil on this planet. So far, Republicans in Congress do not have the 67 Senate votes needed to overcome a threatened presidential veto. But they do have about 10 Democrats and one independent who are willing to go ahead with this, even though U.S. doesn't really stand to gain. This is just a lobbyist boondoggle. It's amazing to me. Yep. Meanwhile, a new study finds the tar sands of Canada that would be transported via the pipeline must stay in the ground. And so must all of the oil and gas reserves in the Arctic if the world is to have even a 50-50 chance of avoiding catastrophic global warming. The study in the journal Nature is the first ever to specifically identify exactly which fossil fuel reserves must remain in the ground and where, and that has profound geopolitical and economic implications. Oh, I'm sure the oil industry and their backers in Congress are now deciding to leave all that oil in the ground after all, based on this new study. Am I right? Yeah, not so much. 
Oil prices continue to slide and may be headed as low as $40 a barrel, and that leaves states and towns that rely on the oil industry for revenue to brace for the bust part of the boom and bust cycle as oil and gas companies begin pulling back as oil drilling becomes unprofitable. On NPR, Oklahoma Governor Mary Fallon hopes it's only temporary. We're hoping that this will be a temporary short-term drop in the price of barrel oil, but that's hard to predict. So we're being cautiously optimistic and planning that there, there might be a potential slump in the economy. I love these Republican politicians who complain about the price of oil until it actually goes down, and now they're all worried that the price of oil is too low. Going in the opposite direction is Denmark. Thanks to decades of steady investment, Denmark has broken the world record for wind power generation in 2014, generating 40% of its overall electricity from wind power alone. Denmark's climate minister, Rasmus Peterson, at a recent UN climate event, said it's essential to meeting Denmark's goal of being free of all fossil fuels by 2050. It's not easy to transfer form a complex society. It's not easy to find a way in the wilderness. Denmark can arrive at the fossil-free destination by many means and from many directions. And we can do it without jeopardizing the economy. And they're going to do this by 2050 and get rid of all fossil fuels? Yep, they are well on their way. Why can't we do that? Because we're mired in oil money politics? Oh yeah, there's that. For much more on all of our stories today and the ones we couldn't get to, Check out our website, please, at greennews.bradblog.com. Remember, you can download our reports anytime via iTunes. Find us and follow us on the Facebook and the Twitters at Green News Report. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Yes, some mighty winds are blowing across the land and across the sea. It's blowing peace and freedom. It's blowing equality. It's blowing peace and freedom. It's blowing you and me. Uh, don't say it, Desi. Don't say it. That's right. Uh, hey, by the way, just to be clear, uh, Texas emits 25.5 metric tons of CO2 per capita. That's per person. California, we emit 9.2 metric tons per person. Texas. You suck. My thanks to Desi Doyen, our producer, to G, our soundboard operator. We'll be back same Brad time, same Brad channel next week. Until then, you can find me on the Twitters at the Brad Blog and, of course, at bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. Good night, world. Woo!